The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. 2021 rankings disputes here in mid-February, baby. Got plenty of time to change these, but let's get started. Today on the show, Calvin Ridley is a top five wide receiver for both Dave and Jamie. But if you look at the overall top 200, he's top 15 for Dave. He's just inside the top 30 for Jamie. What's going on there? We're going to debate Jalen Hurts, Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, many, many more. We welcome you to the show. This is Fantasy Football Today on a Tuesday morning. Hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend. Hope you have power and hope you're ready for rankings debates. Um, I will introduce Dave and Jamie and Chris Towers in just a moment. I will start, though, with uh, the very unfortunate, very tragic and sad news and shocking to see that Vincent Jackson has passed away at age 38. So we just want to remember him here at the beginning of fantasy football today. Uh, the most important thing I saw was that he was nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award four times in a row with Tampa Bay, and that is quite a legacy. Uh, six straight 1,000-yard seasons, if you exclude 2010 when he played in only five games. And he had a stretch 2009, 11, 12, 13 that was four straight full seasons where he finished uh, top 15, top 16 in PPR. Uh, he was top 10 in non-PPR in three of those four seasons. He was a stud. I certainly remember having him on some fantasy teams and just huge games from him. Big plays, great receiver, and we will miss him, and it's very sad news. And um, I'll throw it over to Dave, Jamie, and Chris. Dave, anything you want to say about Vincent Jackson? Oh, I remember when he... Uh, came on the scene with the Chargers, and here's this big, strong dude who could run. And uh, you know, you guys know how much I loved Philip Rivers. This was Philip Rivers' big time target for many years with the Chargers. So uh, it was exciting to watch him then. And then he grew into a superstar. He went to Tampa Bay, did a lot of great stuff there. But uh, you mentioned his off the field stuff. He did a lot for military families off the field. He had his own restaurant in the Tampa Bay area. He did a lot for the Tampa Bay community. And so they were, they were pretty shocked by, by this news. And, you know, I'm thinking about his family, thinking about all of his fans. He made fantasy football fun for lots of people and he'll be missed greatly. Yeah. Just a nice guy. I mean, got a chance to talk to him several times. Uh, um, just always gracious with his time, thoughtful answers. Uh, you, know, you talk to anybody who's who's covered him, um, they'll tell you the same thing. You know, just uh, a, a good guy. You know, it's a really unfortunate situation. So, like Dave said, you know, our, our condolences to his his family and obviously the Tampa Bay and, and Chargers families as well. Um, just, uh, you know, it sucks. It sucks when any, any life is taken too soon. And, you know, 38 is obviously way too too short of a, of a life for a, a guy who seemed to have a lot going for him. Yeah, just echo what those two guys said. It's just Really sad to see. Yeah, one of the people that, I mean, so many people around the NFL are are saddened and offering condolences. Mike Evans is one of them. They were teammates. Pretty similar 
players. You know, you look at the consistency, a thousand mm-hmm. yards year after year, and he was basically his role model. Right, right, right. And uh, you know, the leg- his legacy will live on. I-, I think at Mike Evans, who probably learned a lot from uh, from Vincent Jackson. All right. Well, welcome again, everyone, and uh, we'll get to the fantasy football content here. And um, let's start with what I was talking about with Calvin Ridley. Okay, so if you look at the top. 200 list, which is available now on CBSSports.com, and you, even if you look at PPR, uh, it seems like Jamie, at least compared to Dave, has more running backs in the mid-round two range, right? Because because Calvin Ridley, for example, like I said, he's a top five wide receiver for both of them, but for Jamie, Ridley is uh, is overall, he is 27th, I believe, uh, 29th in non-PPR, 27th in PPR, and for Dave, he's 15th or 16th. And that's just because you've got, Jamie, you've got guys like Cam Akers, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Chris Carson, Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery, all of those running backs ahead of Calvin Ridley. And Dave doesn't. So my first question, Jamie, is who hacked into our servers and switched your rankings? (laughs) Like This is very unusual here. Uh, But uh, go ahead and talk about I guess, why you have those running backs ahead of your number five wide receiver. I mean, receiver is just so deep, you know, and I don't see uh, that big of a difference right now, especially given the fact that Julio Jones is going to still be on the Falcons roster Um, between Calvin Ridley, who I have at five, Michael Thomas, who hopefully will get a good quarterback situation at six, Keenan Allen at seven with his quarterback situation, AJ Brown at eight, Justin Jefferson at nine, DK Metcalf at 10. It's just such a loaded position. And so I think when you have the opportunity to get these caliber of workhorse running backs and clearly where Aaron Jones and Chris Carson end up will change that and David Montgomery may drop behind Calvin Ridley who I have ahead of him right now um, I just think you got to get those those caliber of of running backs when they're available to you and those first two rounds I think is where it's going to happen plus I have the three tight ends in the first two rounds Kelsey in round one and, and Waller and Kittle at the end of round two so I love Calvin Ridley I think he's a great player if you want to take him round two please be my guest he's going to deliver quality production but uh, if you tell me that Ridley goes from the fifth receiver to the 11th receiver, he's still going to have a great season, but it wouldn't shock me at all, given the guys that are behind him. I just think you get those running backs and they're available to you in those first two rounds are going to be where they live. And that's usually how I feel about running backs too. I just look at Calvin Ridley and I think he's a very safe fantasy receiver. He was top five in any of the big three categories that I look at for wideouts and PPR. So fantasy points per game, overall raw points and consistency. He was doing it all. And we were worried about him not being super productive without Julio Jones last year. Turned out he did a great job as the wide receiver one for Atlanta. And he was great with Julio too. So I, I still feel like he's got uh, plenty of, I don't know about plenty of upside to do better than he did last year, but I think he can get there. And I just view him as, as one of the safest things. And, and you compare him to an Aaron Jones. We don't know where Jones is playing. We don't know if he's going to be the workhorse, the 1A, who knows what. Um, the one guy that I do have ranked behind him who probably should be ahead of him is Cam Akers. I think Akers is a guy who's probably got that workhorse role locked up in L.A., situation getting better in L.A. I could see myself taking him ahead of Calvin Ridley. Probably could see him taking him ahead of Stephon Diggs, too. But Ridley is just one of those guys when you look at the running backs and you're not quite sure what to do and you're not ready to take a tight end early and you're not going to take Mahomes early, you go to receiver. It's safest position. He's the safest guy. that among He's among the safest guys that'll be there for you in round two. Okay, uh, but you know you're talking about taking a guy like Cam Akers over him, and we we were thinking. I think last time we spoke about Akers, we were thinking maybe around 35 catches. 
um, unless I'm confusing him with someone else we were talking about. But we, when we talked about Acres, we talked about how like 70% of his PPR points came from yardage, right? And not from catches and not from touchdowns. Yeah. Well, Ridley, I mean, he played 15 games. You give him a 16 game pace, he's got 96 catches. So are you really willing to give up 60 catches basically to take a running back there? 60 PPR points? You want to answer this one, Jamie? Or? Oh, I, I, I go Ridley's Chris. safer. There's no doubt about it. Ridley's going to, you know, be the, the, the pick that you feel more comfortable with if you want to go that route. But again, you know, you get to the, the, the receivers, I'm sure that we all have ranked and for Chris projected uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 25, they're probably safer as well. You know, so it's, it's just a matter of, you know, where the upside lies in building your team. And so how do you want to go about constructing your roster? And so that's what it is for me. I'm taking the player that's going to help me the most at that position as opposed to the safer play in some cases. But it's all about what your comfort level is. You know, if you want to play the safe route, you should go receiver, receiver. I mean, that's the safer play in, in most cases. Um, but I, I think, again, you're looking at where the position scarcity is going to come. It's always going to be at running back. It's always going to be trying to find these guys that give you the opportunity. And, and obviously, I mean, I, I said it, Dave echoed it. Uh, Aaron Jones and Chris Carson in particular are going to be two guys along with a handful of other guys that are probably going to get some competition that I have ranked ahead of these receivers that will alter this by the time we get past the NFL draft. This is just what I feel about these guys right now and where they, where they end up. Like I said, uh, you, you tell me who the quarterback is for Chicago is Tariq Cohen still on the team. David Montgomery goes behind Calvin Ridley. Chris Carson goes behind Calvin Ridley. If he's in a tandem situation, Aaron Jones, if uh, the Raiders bring in an uh, uh, upgrade over Devontae Booker and, and Jalen Richard, he goes behind Calvin Ridley. So, you know, by the time we get to August, Calvin Ridley could be in my top 20. So it, it's just a matter of, again, what you're looking at in terms of how you want to go about building your team. Safety-wise is always going to be the receivers. It's the same thing we say with the, the first five picks and where, De, where Devontae Adams should go, where Travis Kelsey should go. It's why Chris likes the tight ends as high as he does, because if those guys hit, they're better served to help you from a floor standpoint, but the yeah. ceiling at the respective positions for those other guys is a different story. Uh, well, story. but it, uh, okay. Uh, but let me just get Chris in it because it's not just a floor play here with Calvin Ridley. I mean, you're talking about, he was on pace for 1,466 awesome. yards and 10 touchdowns. And but, but again, it's, it's, it's comparing him to different positions. That's the yeah. thing. So when you say sacrificing 60 catches, obviously, unless we're talking about the, the top three or four backs, the Christian McCaffrey's and Dalvin cooks and those caliber players, they're not going to catch the same amount of passes as other guys. What I'm counting on with Cam Akers is the fact that Matthew Stafford is there. There is the chance for 35 catches. But now you're talking about less stacked defenses, better scoring chances. If he's getting 20 carries or 20 touches, I like that opportunity better than what Calvin Ridley will give me, even though I know he'll catch more passes and is safer. All right, Chris, what do you think about uh, basically the number five wide receiver uh, compared to these running backs who are not the total studs, but are still worthy of a second round pick. You know, what's your take on that, this whole situation? Uh, It's not that different than what I have in my rankings. I have my number five wide receiver is different. I have Michael Thomas, um, but I, yeah, he's my number 23 player overall. And I I think the biggest thing is, yeah, it's something somewhat that, you know, the wide receivers are a little safer, but running backs might have higher ceilings. That's part of it. But for me, the biggest thing is just that this year, more than I think any year I can remember, there aren't that many running backs in that like Le'Veon Bell coming into 2020 mode where it's 
well, he's going to get 250 touches. And so he's going to get, there's actually a lot of guys who are really exciting in this running back pool. It's a lot of guys who are young primarily, uh, but also a lot of guys who have three down skills. And that's not something that we've been used to seeing. And so, you know, I think you look through the, the running back rankings and some of the guys I have ahead of, uh, you know, my top five wide receivers, uh, Ridley's actually number six, a little further down. Uh, but it's guys like Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and Antonio Gibson who are right in a row uh, between, what is that, 15 and 17 for me. And you've got Joe Mixon and, and David Montgomery right after that. And so it's a lot of guys who we think should have a ton of carries, but also should be involved in the passing game. I'm a little lower on some of the specifics. Like I don't have Cam Akers all the, as, as high as uh, either of you two do, but for the most part, I think that the general idea is true that the, the running back group this year just looks so much more promising than it has in years past. It's not, isn't that a reason not, to take Ridley in round two instead of a running back then? Or are you saying no, they'll all be gone by round? The receiver position so deep, though. I mean, it's. I mean, Ridley is 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 awesome. I don't want to make this yeah. a anti Ridley conversation. It's more about there's ten other guys that can give you within fifteen twenty points of him by the end of the season. Yeah. And and I think a, a a bigger part of it is just that running back does have it's all relative. Running back does have more of those guys this year than we're used to, but. I think there's a drop off right around 25 or 26 at the running back position. I think it's where, uh, what's that? I think it's sooner than that, unfortunately, right now. Yeah. I mean, it, like, I think it depends on like, I like Melvin Gordon and I like Chris Carson, but this off season could definitely change how I feel about both of those guys. Uh, Ronald Jones is another one, James Connor. There, there's a lot of guys who I think could, but it's, it's in the 20 to 25 range, maybe where you start to run out of, the young guys with that three down roll. And once you get past there, it's really gross. And you don't want one of those guys as certainly your number one, but even your number two, because there's just, it's a lot harder to talk yourself into Kareem Hunt or Kenyon Drake or Devin Singletary turning into one of those guys. And those are the guys who are, you know, kind of immediately after that group. And so, for me, it's more that running back is deeper at the top than usual, but there's still that steep drop off. Whereas wide receiver, it's just a gradual slope all the way down. Okay, and we'll of course have a different landscape once the draft comes, once free agency comes. Uh, but there is our initial rankings dispute. The Champions League is back. If you're a soccer fan, you should be listening to the Kegolazzo podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join the team for two episodes a day including daily previews and recaps of all the Champions League and Europa knockout stage action. And you can find Kay Galazzo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to this podcast. Don't wait to download and subscribe and make Kay Galazzo your ultimate audio destination for soccer and Champions League coverage. Uh, a couple things to celebrate today. International Pancake Day. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. Ooh, Dave, that reminds um, me. Yeah, what is it? Right reminds me of some awesome French toast that I had over the weekend. Bananas Foster French toast. It was really good. That does sound good. I okay. uh, every Sunday I make pancakes. They're so good they require no syrup. They are banana, mm-hmm. strawberry, and blueberry pancakes, and we mm-hmm. don't even we don't even take the syrup out of the refrigerator. That's how good they are. 
Um, they do require butter, but it's love love me butter. some pancake Sunday. That's interesting. Well, in the you know on this and the pan in the pan. Yeah. Oh, if oh, you I guys are ever... like putting butter on your fruity pancakes. No, 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 just in the pan, just the cook. If you guys are ever in the Dania Beach area, there's a place called the Bake Shack. My wife went. She went back home last week, and she got some pancakes there. It's the best pancake I've ever had in my life. Before I left South Florida, made the mistake of not going back before I left. So, if you're ever in the check, area, I would check that out. Jamie, uh, order order some pancakes. What are you getting? Oh, uh, it depends. You know, you get pancakes for dessert. Chocolate chip pancakes are great. You could have uh, fruit pancakes are the best in the morning. Um, so next time I'm at your house, you better make them. Um, yeah, but but mine are in the batter. Okay, I'm not pouring fruit on top of the pancake. No, no, of course, yeah, 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 be yeah. In, in, in mm. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, they're, they're all yours. Um, and I did I did tease this a few weeks ago. I said I started a show that was great, and I wasn't going to say what it was until I finished because uh, I didn't want anybody to spoil it for me. But I am finished now with the show Kingdom. It is now on Netflix. It was originally on DirecTV. Apparently, had a very small but loyal following. Um, if you search for Kingdom on Netflix, it is the MMA one. Not the one about a an Asian dynasty. Um, it is so good. It is the kind of show you will binge watch in a few weeks. Forty episodes, most of them about forty five minutes. Loved it. Highly, highly recommend. Bring back Kingdom. And Jamie has binged Ozark in the meantime, and that's another one you should watch. Fantastic, unbelievable. Yeah. And Chris doesn't like violent shows, so he doesn't get to take part in this discussion. No, I don't watch anything. <laughs> And you don't watch anything. I just don't watch anything. <laughs> All right, let's do some news and notes here. The Colts offered two second-round picks for Carson Wentz, according to Ron Jaworski. We are still waiting for Wentz to be moved. He could be moved with Zach Ertz. So That'd be great. There's that. It be, mm-hmm. would be. All right, let's say Ertz goes to the Colts. Let's say, okay, let's make this trade. Wentz and Ertz to the Colts. I'm clapping a lot right now. Uh, who do you rank higher? Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard? Goddard. Goddard. I think I would go Ertz. It would depend on, you know, do they still keep all the other three tight ends that they had on their roster Lally last Cox year who were all involved? Trey Burton are free agents. Yeah, that, that's And they the can key. move on from Doyle. Um, but I, I, I would lean Ertz first blush. Okay. Because Goddard was not very good with, with Jalen Hurts. You know... Really, I don't think anybody was. He had the targets with Hertz. They just, and there were end zone targets in there too. They just couldn't connect. And we don't know what this new offense, uh, how tight end friendly it's going to be. And Hertz was playing in some of those games, if not all four. Well, no, he played. He didn't play. Okay, Goddard didn't play Week Seventeen, but in three games, then with uh, neither did Hertz. (laughs) Neither did the Eagles. Uh, In three games with Jalen Hertz. Goddard had right around 40 yards and no touchdowns in every game. 43, 39, and 38 yards. Uh, the Texans released J.J. Watt. The heard. Yeah, the Pouncey twins retired. Are they twins? Yes. yes. Okay. The Pouncey brothers, uh, twins, retired. At Florida, they were so good, they were triplets. Hey, there you go. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to have left shoulder surgery, and he's going to be out four to five months, so he's going to have a, a different offseason than other rookies. Uh, Chris, does that does that bother you with Trevor Lawrence? I mean, it's not his throwing shoulder, but just the lack of offseason work. We saw just killed everybody this past offseason, right? But uh, anyway, does, does this shoulder surgery bother you when you look at Lawrence and the Jaguars passing game? 
I think that kind of thing will probably be more of an issue this year when defenses have their normal off season. So offense won't have such a, uh, an edge early on in the season like they did this year. But, you know, we'll see what that means. Does it mean he's not throwing at all until training camp or does he get some work in? Uh, but I, it, I'm not too concerned right now. All right. Who could be cut? Well, the Raiders are going to release Tyrell Williams. Uh, Sammy Watkins, the Chiefs are going to try to re-sign him. Jamison no. Crowder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Miko Hardman is in our rankings disputes. Jamison Crowder could get released, according to ESPN's Rich Samini. Samini. Um, the Athletic, Tory McElhaney of The Athletic doesn't expect the Falcons to re-sign Todd Gurley. And Tampa Bay nearly cut Leonard Fournette in December. That was quite a story. He you know, wasn't really getting the playing time. He was inactive one game. And uh, I guess he just wasn't, wasn't thrilled. And it's a good thing he stuck it out because he had a case to be Super Bowl MVP, had an amazing Super Bowl, and, and uh, probably made himself a lot of money. Real, real quick. He, he might have just made himself another contract. I don't know about a lot of money. Well, I get even if it's like a low contract, it's a lot of money, right? Yeah, so. right. <laughs> uh, we have a listener. His name, we have a listener. His name is Jack. He's nine years old. He's a big fan. He recorded a podcast for a class project. It was really good. He's really into football. He's really into fantasy football. Shout out to Jack. Thanks for sharing that podcast episode with us. I'm glad we got a chance to listen. And good luck to you. Uh, you will have. You will be in this industry in, I don't know, 15 years. So I was nine? thinking more like 15 weeks. We're going to have his agent call us. <laughs> yeah, he's nine years old. Yeah. He's nine, he so can... legally nine more years. Uh, he'll be taking your job. Nine more. That's Seven it. more years. 16. He only has to be 16. Nine more years, he'll be an intern for us. And then 10 years, he'll have my job. All right. And then 12 years, he'll be our boss. There you go. Rankings disputes. Let's start with Miles Sanders. Not so different in the rankings, but Dave, you are the low guy on Miles Sanders. Although I got to be honest, I don't know where Chris has Miles Sanders. But Jamie's got him 13th. Heath has him 12th. Dave, you have him 18th, 19th in PPR. So a little bit lower. On Miles Sanders, a little bit lower now. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I just, I loved him last year. I felt like, obviously, he didn't come through for fantasy managers. He regressed as a pass catcher. Now there's a new offense, new philosophies. Are we sure he's going to be the workhorse? The coaches that were, you know, calling him the feature back, they're not in Philadelphia anymore. Has he done enough to impress the new coaches that are there? So I'm nervous. I don't want to overrate him. I don't want to put him ahead. For example, I don't want to put him ahead of Calvin Ridley. Would much rather have Ridley and, and the safety net of getting a receiver with 18 PPR points per game, something like that, versus Sanders, who could disappoint us again. Chris, where are you on Miles Sanders? I appear to be the high guy. I have him 11th at the position, Okay, which I, I don't feel super comfortable with. That's just ahead of where Jamie and Heath have him. They've got him 13th and, yeah. and 12th. Uh, so some guys that Jamie has Miles Sanders ahead of that Dave doesn't would be Josh Jacobs, uh, Clyde Edwards, Elair, way ahead, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, guys like that. Jamie, what uh, what's your confidence level in Miles, Miles Sanders, who on a per-game basis, he did miss four games. On a per-game basis, he was 19th in non-PPR, 21st in PPR. Yeah, I'm buying all the way back in. I mean, offensive line getting healthy is going to be huge for him. Uh, you know, I, I expect him to be the workhorse there because that's not a position they're going to have to invest a lot in, especially with salary cap issues being what they are. Um, 
I think he's going to have an opportunity to bounce back in a huge way uh, with Jalen Hurts, who, as we know, running quarterbacks open up running lanes. I think he'll throw to him enough based on what the offense philosophy will be there. So give me all the Miles Sanders and early round two that I could possibly take. I think it's going to be a huge season for him in 2021. Okay. Any final thoughts? I'll, he'll move up a spot if Aaron Jones doesn't. I have Aaron Jones ranked ahead of him right now. He'll move up a spot if Jones doesn't get a good job. Sure. Same with me. Jones would fall behind him there. There were two games out of the four with Hertz where he did put up good numbers. So the point that Jamie makes about Hertz being um, friendly for rushing, running for running backs, rushing running backs. Was I really about to say that? Uh, it, it's a plus for him. I'm just not sure he's going to get that type of work that we uh, we started to see last season. I don't think he's going to get 50 catches. Do you? If with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Yeah, I think that number's in jeopardy. And I also just, he he was a disappointment in the passing game last year. And I wonder yeah. if that takes him off the field in certain horrible. situations. He was horrible in the passing game, which is really sad because... He was great as a rookie. Well, well not just that he's got so much talent. We had, uh, were you on with us, Dave, when Brian Westbrook came on on Twitch? Yes. And he said that Miles Sanders had to work on getting his hands right mm-hmm. uh, when he was running routes. He's one of two running backs who had 50 or more targets and didn't catch a touchdown. The other was Devin Singletary. Yeah, that was both of them, I think, were him and Carson Wentz. It was a bit of both. At one point late in the season, I think after Wentz was bench, I I went through and watched basically every target, and it was like the the balls that weren't caught, it was about 50-50 between whether it was Wentz's fault or whether it was uh, Miles Sanders' fault. Carson Wentz, just they just weren't on the same page. There were a couple of drop touchdowns, um, and especially on those... The big thing for me is whether the downfield role comes back because that was what was so interesting about him in 2019 was they were throwing him balls 15, 20, 25 yards down the field. And that basically disappeared after about week five this year. I think he dropped. It might have been in the Ravens game. I think they played where he uh, he dropped a sure touchdown on the on the right side of the field. And I think it was like after that, he didn't he might not have had another downfield target all season. Wow. And so that's going to be a, a big thing. All right, let's go to another running back. Similar story here. Dave lower than Jamie, but actually Heath is the lowest on on Chris Carson. Um, so whereas Miles Sanders was about 13th for Jamie, 18th for Dave, Chris Carson is 17th for Jamie, 23rd for Dave. And Chris, I'll actually give you the first word. Where are you on Chris Carson, who's been a very consistent running back in terms of points per game? Uh, let me see in the last three seasons, he's, he's been about, I think 12th to 15th in points per game. Uh, where do you fall on, on Chris Carson? I've got him 20th, but it's, it's a strong 20. Uh, I I think there's a lot to like about him. I think there's a little bit of a tear after him. Um, and the biggest question for me is just workload there. I don't have a lot of questions about whether he's going to be good. He catches passes. He's effective. He gets in the end zone. Uh, they like him. It's, it's really just a question of can you project him for more than 200 carries among the guys in my top 27? It looks like him and Austin Eckler are the only ones I don't have projected for 200 carries, but you know, obviously Austin Eckler might catch twice as many passes as Chris Carson. So I think Carson's going to be effective when he's on the field, um, but injuries are always a concern and you know, whether they bring in some competition or whether Rashad Penny comes back and they, you know, start we to don't know where he's playing. Him. Right, right, right. He's sure. a free agent. Yeah, it, it's it's all dependent on where he goes. You know, so if he goes back to Seattle, then you know what you're getting. If he goes to Atlanta, if he goes to the Jets, two preferred destinations for a lot of running backs right now, he's going to give an opportunity to play a big role. 
He could go to a team like Miami where he could get an opportunity for a big role, or he can go to a crappy situation where he's going to share with somebody because they think he's an upgrade over whoever they may have. You know, Buffalo, for example, they decide to invest in a running back. And then you're talking about maybe three guys that you have to be concerned about or Tampa Bay. And he's sharing with, with the Ronald Jones that they don't bring back Fournette and they don't really love Keyshawn Vaughn. So there's going to be a lot of teams, for example, in the mix. Uh, but if Chris Carson gets one of these premier jobs, Atlanta or the Jets, for example, I'm going to be all in. If he doesn't, then it's something to be concerned about. If he stays in Seattle, I think you're talking about a very good number two running back that you're taking in round two. Uh, it is a little weird to hear anyone refer to the Jets as a premier job. <laughs> but no, but I'm serious. You know, Do you really have that much confidence in the Jets being a good fantasy destination? For a running back in 2021? If they if they pick the right quarterback, I, I think the offensive line is going to be one of the better ones in the league. And I'm not talking about top five. I think top half of the league. So uh, you started to see signs of that last year. That's You true. have a coaching staff in place right now that I think is going to be an upgrade. And I don't think that's saying very much. But I do think you're coming mm. from a situation in San Francisco <laughs> that's going to be run-based and and whichever running back. But it wouldn't surprise me if they go and try and get Aaron Jones, you know, just from the LaFleur connection. So... If it's if it's uh, a rookie, you know they they can go that route. They have a back end first round pick in the NFL draft, so you know Najee Harris and, and Travis Etienne, you know, are certainly on the table. Um, those two guys would be fantastic as well. But if if they are in the market to sign a running back, which I think would make some sense to help a young quarterback if that's the route that they go, then Carson Jones, Fournette, any of these guys that are going to be available are going to be attractive going to the Jets. And I think the Jets will probably try and go cheap at running back if they go in free agency. Remember, where did Robert Sala and, and uh, LaFleur come from? San Francisco. What did they do in San Francisco? They used a lot of running backs and they did it on the cheap. So I wouldn't expect them to drop a big bag with a dollar sign on it straight out of the cartoons in Aaron Jones' lap and saying, come be our feature back. I think they're probably going to end up having two or three different guys that make it frustrating for fantasy. But Jamie's right about the offensive line. That's a line that's on the rise. All right, so let's go transition to Jeff Wilson then, since we're on the subject of 49ers running backs. And Dave, you've got him 21st at running back. Jamie's got him 30th. Heath's got him a little bit lower than that, 32nd in non-PPR, 35th in PPR. Not a ton of opportunity for him, but he certainly took advantage when they gave it to him. Uh, Tell me where you are on Jeff Wilson, why you have him in your top 24, 21st overall at running back right now, and what needs to happen for him to stay there? He just needs to be the 1A. Uh, He's never going to be the feature back or the every down back. We just got done talking about how the 49ers use a lot of running backs. And yeah, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, they're probably going to hit the road. They'll replace those guys with, you know, day three running back picks that they add. I think he's not quite as efficient as Raheem Mostert, but he's certainly stronger and certainly healthier than Raheem Mostert. So I'm just taking the chance on Wilson being the best running back in San Francisco and definitely the guy who can cash in at the goal line. His physicality down there, it's been used already last season. We saw it. I just think he's their best back. That's so interesting. Jamie, Chris, do you guys have Mostert or Jeff Wilson ranked higher? Wilson right now, but uh, Mostert's not going away. Mostert's going to have to be cut or get hurt for him to be anything closer than you know top 27, 28 for me. Um, I just don't see them going away from Mostert. Uh, obviously, you know, their most successful season in this uh, regime was with Raheem Mostert. So, you know, he's still going to be a big part of what they do. Uh, is Wilson better right now? Yeah, right now. Uh, but when we get to August, will that change? Could. Uh, why the, Why is he guy, better? Why is he better right now? Just because of health? Why? Well, yeah, because of health. You know, uh, uh, sometimes your best ability is availability. And, and Raheem Mostert wasn't available a lot last year. So, 
they may not add anybody. You know, they like to Michael Hasty. You know, they may use him as the third guy and then bring in another street free agent. Um, wouldn't be shocking if they brought back Mac Brita. You know, if they wanted just to go cheap, somebody knows their system and, and bring him back after the Dolphins discard him. So uh, I, I think the 49ers backfield is one that's going to have some good weeks and some bad weeks. But to draft a guy from that backfield as a starter, I think is a mistake. Chris, which 49ers running back do you gravitate toward? I have Mostert slightly higher, but it's pretty much an even split. I have them sp- separated by about 20 carries. And and that between that and the fact that they don't really throw the ball to their running backs all that much just makes me think this is a situation I would probably prefer to stay away from. Um, although if it's just two running backs involved and, you know, that then the the targets that went to Jarek McKinnon, he had about 50 last season. If, if there's just Jeff Wilson or he Mostert, it starts to get a little... Uh, easier to buy in, but I, I have both of them outside my top 30. Keep in mind, Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, is a free agent. They will try to bring him back, but he's a big part of their run game. Um, all right, Dave, I just want to finish with this. You know, I feel like Raheem Mostert has proven himself to be one of the best, one of the most efficient running backs in football. Now, we know that the Niners are great at creating space for their running backs. They, they consecutive years now they've been among the leaders in uh, yards before contact so it's a good situation but Mostert I remember early in the season before he got hurt he had two plays that were among the fastest uh, he, uh, in terms of miles per hour in the NFL a long run and a long uh, reception yep like he's just awesome I mean I just don't know how I just don't know why we would think Wilson is better than than Mostert for any reason other than Mostert keeps getting hurt well, but that's kind of a big reason, isn't it? It is, but right. But if they're both healthy, why wouldn't Mostert get more work than Wilson? I, I think if they're both healthy? healthy, you might see some games go that way, and some games where they're really close, maybe fifty-fifty. Maybe Wilson gets a little bit more. I think they've got a good combo with those two, but they have to be cognizant of Raheem Mostert's health and trying to keep him available for games all season long, and they're not going to use them in physical short yardage situations. They've already got Wilson for that, and he's good at it. Okay, next yeah, from, up. Oh, uh, yeah, Chris, let's talk about your tight end rankings. And we t- uh, talked about this on Fantasy Football Today in 5, uh, but you think three tight ends are top 12 overall players, right? Yeah, and it, it comes down to the fact that, one, I just think Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Darren Waller are awesome. I have them. Uh, all projected for at least 250 PPR points. And the bigger thing is that there's just such a drop-off at that position immediately after Darren Waller. For me, I have Mark Andrews about 50 points uh, behind Darren Waller. And Logan Thomas, number five, is 70 points behind Darren Waller. So for me, it just comes down to the fact that if you want someone who can make a legitimate difference, if you want someone who would even be worth starting, at any position except for tight end, you have to end up with one of the top three guys. And uh, usually I can, I know I can wait until like, if I'm picking in the middle of the round, I know I can usually wait to take that, that second there, one of those tight ends. And I'm fine with that. But if it comes down to it, I'm totally okay with taking George Kittle or Darren Waller at 11 or 12. Um, I just think they are the, the single biggest difference makers that you can find at the position out at any position outside of maybe Devontae Adams and the Christian McCaffrey uh, top tier at running back. Okay. And when you said you're fine waiting, if you have a mid round pick, middle of the round pick, you mean 
Wait until the second round, right? Yeah. Uh, Jamie, why uh, why are Waller and Kittle not first round picks? Well, I think if you just go back to a year ago when you had Kittle and Ertz coming off amazing seasons and they were drafted, or no, was that 2018 when they were amazing? Um, 2018, the three tight ends went nuts. But obviously 2019 wasn't as as fantastic. Uh, But if you would have taken this strategy last year when the top two guys were clear, Kelsey and Kittle were clear. Three was a little bit of a uh, conversation between Ertz and Andrews. But if you just want to take those those three guys alone, Kittle, Ertz, and Andrews, and say those are the two, three at the tight end position, you would have been obviously completely disappointed with how you drafted by taking them. Two of those guys were injury-related, Kittle and Ertz, and Andrews just did not have the season that many hoped he would, building off of what he showed you in 2019. So they are safe in terms of what they do. Their upside is clearly there in terms of what they do. But you are locking yourself into a position where it could be a little bit disappointing if they don't live up to those expectations. And Ertz, yes, he did was injury-related. He missed five games. He was also terrible when he played. So yeah, I, even if I he think stayed a big- healthy. One difference there would be that, you know, Waller, Kittle, and Kelsey, well, Waller Waller and Kittle in particular, Kelsey's actually older, but Waller, Waller and Kittle are, you know, in their physical primes, whereas Ertz was already starting to age out of that. Um, I, I just think those two guys are, you know, Kittle and Waller, even with the additions that their teams have made, I, I just think they're clearly the number one options. And Kittle coming back from his injury and being treated like the number one option immediately uh, you know, definitely made me feel better about it. Kittle's going to be really interesting to see because, you know, again, we, we've talked about this a little bit. I asked him about this during Super Bowl week. He was on with us on CBS Sports HQ. And I asked Darren Waller this question as well in terms of being the guy as opposed to sharing the field with other talented wide receivers. And, you know, kind of if we, you know, look at some of these tight ends lately that have been awesome, Kelsey's really the one that stands out as not being just the solo act. He has a lot of great players around him, but Waller didn't have a lot of great wide receiver talent. Kittle, for the majority of his peak couple of seasons, no, no wide receiver talent. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot with some of these guys. You know, so I asked Waller, can he still be as productive as he has been if the receiving court gets better? You know, and he said it takes some of the focus off of him. You know, he feels like he has to bring it every week because he knows he's getting the attention of every defense and Kittle said, you know, he feels like, and this is where he's a little bit of a different guy because his, he takes so much pride in his blocking. He said, this is where I have to do other things. You know, he kind of steered the conversation away from his statistical uh, performance, but Kittle's going to be fascinating because if, if Ayuk is as good as he showed you last year and Debo, you know, can, you know, sort of continue to progressively improve. And obviously what the quarterback situation is, can Kittle still be that elite level statistical producer. He's going to be one of the best tight ends in football. That goes without saying, but can he be a top tier fantasy tight end? And I know we've had some conversations about his touchdown production. You know, does that justify taking him as high as he is? Uh, can Waller stay at that touchdown level for a second season in a row? Kelsey really is the one for me that I, I feel the most safe about because he's been tried mm-hmm. and true. Uh, these other two guys I think are more around two picks, but you know, if you, if you want to get them, like Chris said, if you're picking 11, 12, uh, you know, whether you're taking them at the end of round one or, you know, obviously you can probably take one of the the, the second two guys in the beginning part of round two. That's probably uh, not a bad move to make if you know you want to get that position locked up and not have to worry about taking the Herb Smiths or where does Hayden Hurst uh, perform 
year two in Atlanta or, you know, those, uh, is Gronk still going to be good? You know, those, those question marks that we get when you get to tight end 10 through 20. All right, we'll take a break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, J.D. McKissick, Chase Claypool, Jarvis Landry, Miko Hardman, Jalen Hurts. That's right after this on FFT. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Over the last five seasons, there have been a number of running backs, there's at least one every year, that have finished top 24 in PPR with fewer than 100 carries. We call them pass-catching running backs. And there's always one, two, maybe three that make an impact. J.D. McKissick was certainly one of them last year. Unfortunately, in the previous four years, James White is the only running back to repeat as a top 24 running back. So where is J.D. McKissick ranked right now? Uh, Well, Jamie's higher on him than Dave, but not super high, 35th. Dave's got him 44th, really low for McKissick, and Heath actually has him 27th. Chris, you know where you have J.D. McKissick? 36. 36. Okay, so that's right there with Jamie. So, Dave, that means you're the low guy. We'll go kind of quickly on these last five guys, McKissick, Claypool, Landry, Hardman, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, you're not going to get McKissick if you got him ranked 44th, I would think. So how come uh, so low? Well, if, I, if I've got him too low, that means I've got Antonio Gibson too high because there was only one game last season where they both had 15 PPR points. I think two games where they both had 10 PPR points. It was definitely more of an either-or situation in that backfield. And call me crazy, I'm just thinking that the Washington coaching staff will do more with Gibson to try and enhance and improve his role along with their offensive line and maybe put themselves in games where they're not chasing points and playing from behind. And that means McKissick isn't nearly as important of a fixture on offense when they're when they're down. Um, they won't be down as often. It'll be Gibson who can play. And Gibson's still a good pass catcher. Wouldn't surprise me in the least if he took a step forward in his receptions. If we're talking about him, I know I talked about him getting 70 catches last year, but 50 catches, I don't think he was too far off of that this past season. And I think he can do that next season. So I'm expecting a nice step forward from Antonio Gibson in his second season, and it means a step back for McKissick. Jamie, one thing I like about McKissick is that his production was not based on touchdowns. He only scored three touchdowns but he had 80 catches. So you got him as a number three PPR running back. For me, it comes down to the quarterback. If, if it's an Alex Smith type scenario again, which would clearly be the case to, to start the season, if they don't 
you know, upgrade and they just bring in a guy that could be their future, um, which I don't know if it's Dwayne Haskin, but could be. Um, then I'm sorry, not Dwayne Haskin, to replace Dwayne Haskin, excuse me, as, as the young guy of the future. Um, then McKissick, I think, is still in a good spot because I think both he and, and, and Gibson can coexist, coexist as pass catching running backs in this backfield. I think Dave's right, you know, full offseason for Antonio Gibson, who was making the conversion. I don't know how much they trusted him fully in pass protection, as they probably will going into a second season. So that probably will matter, especially again if it's a non-mobile quarterback. But uh, I just like what he showed you, you know. And I think the coaching staff trusts him. This is a uh, a staff that um, you know came from using their backs in the backfield quite a bit, as we know, Christian McCaffrey uh, from their days in Carolina. So uh, I would love to see Antonio Gibson take a step forward. I would agree that he he will take a step forward, but I don't think that Gibson. Uh, totally regresses. So that's why I don't have him as high as probably Heath does and, and probably as high as where he finished a year ago. Chase Claypool is next in the rankings disputes. 29th for Jamie, 21st for Dave. Heath's right in the middle of 26. That's a non-PPR. In PPR, Claypool 31st for Jamie, 24th for Dave, and 30th for Heath. Chris, you get the first word on Chase Claypool. Uh, where do you have him? Uh, I've got him actually quite a bit lower, but I think oh, that good. could change depending on what happens with Juju. Cause right now I'm projecting Juju to still be the number two wide receiver for Pittsburgh. Um, you know, if he moves, then chase Claypool will obviously get a bump. I think he's really good. Uh, the, the skills that he showed last season as a rookie were really impressive, huge, big playability. Uh, the problem is I just don't trust their quarterback to get the most out of him. And I'm not sure, um, you know, why I would expect Ben Roethlisberger to be a more active and effective deep thrower in 2021 than he was in 2020. Maybe it's just, you know, he needed a year to shake off the rust and he'll be a more confident passer in 2021. But um, yeah, Claypool, I just, it, it comes down to one, how many targets are going to be available. If Juju leaves, how many can he get moving forward? And you know, whether Ben Rothenberger can play better. I think they're, they're pretty significant questions. It's a hell of a rookie year, 873 yards and nine touchdowns on 109 targets. A lot of big playability there. Um, but also a lot of his production was one week. Uh, it was yeah. 110 yard, uh, 110 yards and three touchdowns weren't his only good games, plus a rushing touchdown against Philadelphia. So that's a four touchdown game. Um, so let's say Juju leaves guys, Jamie, Dave, Chris, where would you, where do you think you'd end up on Claypool if he's the number two guy? I've been all over the place with him when I was doing my ranking. So he, he, he'll definitely uh, move up depending on what they do. I think Juju's gone. You know, I just want to see if they replace Same. Juju with something significant or they just stick with the, the top three guys that would remain on their roster with James Washington moving into the third spot. So does your uh, ranking, is your current ranking of Claypool reflect no, no Smith-Schuster? Mine do. Yeah, mine too. Okay, so you still have him 29, around 30th, Jamie, and Dave like more like 21st, assuming that Smith-Schuster is gone. Yeah, it's, I, I love Chase Claypool. Uh, and, and if he's going in the top you know, two, uh, being drafted as a number two wide receiver, I won't get a lot of him. I'll move him up a few spots, but I don't think he'll crack my top 24. It, it's just such a loaded position. So um, he, he's got tremendous upside in year two. Uh, I think Chris has some good points there about Ben Roethlisberger maximizing his potential, but I don't think he's going to necessarily bring him down to the point where he can't be a productive fantasy option. So um, Claypool's got, uh, you know, just a ton of upside, but again, it's what, what do they do with the Ebron uh, Juju replacements? Dave going to PPR Jarvis Landry. You have him 10 spots lower than Jamie does. 
Landry, uh, 40th for you, 30th for Jamie in PPR. Came alive in the second half of last season. That was without Odell Beckham. I think we're expecting Odell Beckham to stay in Cleveland. They can't cut him. And I don't know who's trading and giving up a lot for him when he's not at 100%. Um, still PPR heavy. Could get a decent amount of catches, but I think the Browns proved who they were this year. They're a team that loves to run the football. They're damn good at it. And Landry's just going to be one of those receivers who I just think fits in as, as a good number three-ish type of option. And they threw, in PPR, 500, in PPR. They threw 501 times. That is mega low. And his target share was 18.3% with Beckham. Uh, I think there were only five games, not including the game that Beckham left after four snaps, maybe six games. But uh, just they barely threw, and his target share was way down. Jamie, you got him 30th, though. That's I think it's right next to Claypool, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, it's probably a few spots too high. I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, looking at what the way he finished. But it's just every year with Jarvis Landry. It's like, how many times are we going to write him off? And he just continues to end up being a productive fantasy option, no matter the situation, no matter the quarterback, no matter the team. But is that true, though? Because he was like 38th this past year. I mean, this was his worst year since his rookie season. But, you know, uh, again, it's it, again for me, it's probably just how he finished as opposed to the way the whole season went. I need to reevaluate that one. Okay. Yeah, he was 38th in non-PPR. He was 36th in PPR. Much, much better without Beckham. Uh, finally started catching some touchdowns. And also they had that stretch of like three straight games with terrible weather. That uh, really hurt the passing stats as well. All right, let's see. What do we got? What's next on the list here? Um, I can't find it. What's next on the list, guys? There we go. Miko Hardman. All right, so Jamie's got him 38th. He's 37th in non-PPR. Jamie and Heath have him 41st in, in full PPR. Dave does not have him ranked as of now. Chris, Miko Hardman. What do you think? Uh, I'm assuming Sammy Watkins' status matters here. But Sammy Watkins' status yeah. does matter a little bit, but I, I'm i more with Dave here. I just, I'm not sure he's going to be a significant part of the offense, even if Sammy Watkins doesn't come back, just because, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins fits a, a different role than I think what Mecole Hardman can do. And Mecole Hardman is kind of redundant with Tyreek Hill. Um, so I'm just, are they going to throw Mecole Hardman out there for 80% of their snaps and have him run a full route tree and, and throw him a hundred passes and, and all that, that would entail. I kind of have a hard time seeing that. I think he's still going to remain uh, kind of a gadget, big play type of guy. And frankly, I'm just not sure he's got the, the well-rounded skill set that it would take to, to take a big step forward. He, you know, he wasn't as good in 2020 as he was in 2019. And um, yeah, I, I just, I don't quite see it happening. Okay, Jamie, you want to make the case for me, Cole Hartman? I mean, if there's no Sammy Watkins and he's on the field more, then I'm going to buy in as much as I possibly can. And I feel like I might have him a couple spots too low if there is no Sammy Watkins and he's there uh, as their starter. So that's got to be the case. He's got to be the starter for them. Uh, Chris is right. He has kind of been more of a Tyree Kill replacement as opposed to a Sammy Watkins replacement. They've seemed to use Demarcus Robinson and even Byron Pringle more in that role. Yeah. But this is the year for me, Cole Hartman. Entering his third season, you know, time to step up and prove it. Uh, one thing I did like was when in the playoff game to against Buffalo when he fumbled and how much those guys rallied around him, and then they went back to him and, and he got the touchdown. Uh, I think Andy Reid has proven to maximize the best potential of his players, and I think Miko Hardman is the third best skill player uh, on their team uh, after Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, and I think this is the year he'll show. Oh, whoa, CEH, move over. That's a diss, man. Why is that a diss? 
I don't know. It's a first round pick. I think you're the fourth best person on the show, but I still love you. <laughs> but I wasn't a first round pick. I think Jamie was saying he's going to draft McCole Hardman over Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. Right. Okay. There we go. Um, okay. And then we've got uh, Jalen Hurts. So Heath, I mean, Heath really would have been nice to have him on. Heath's got him 17th. Jamie's got him eighth. Dave, right in the middle, 13th. Uh, I guess 12 and a half would have been right in the middle, Dave. So uh, 13th, though. So, all right, Jamie, first word, Jalen Hurts, QB8, uh, go. Offensive line will be better. He runs. Uh, I think year two, uh, full offseason, will be fantastic for him. So uh, I'm going to get a lot of Jalen Hurts this year, especially if they do draft a receiver in the first round. Do they need to draft a receiver or add no. a receiver? No. No. But it would it would certainly help. All right, Dave. It shouldn't be their top priority to add a receiver, but it wouldn't hurt if they added maybe in free agency like a reliable sideline type of guy to replace Alshon Jeffrey, Travis Fulgham. Maybe they just bring back Fulgham. Who knows? Um, but I, I think you look at Hertz as one of those in the same vein as Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago, the same vein as Cam Newton last year running quarterback, tons of upside, a good value pick or not necessarily a value pick. I'm sorry a good high upside pick that you take round eight plus. And so if you, if you mess up and he stinks, who cares? It's a round eight pick down the drain, but if he hits, you're probably on the way to making the playoffs in your league. All right, Chris. So you got, you got eighth for Jamie, 13th for Dave, 17th for Heath. Where would you fall on Jalen hurts? I agree with Jamie. He's ninth for me. Um, There's, there's definitely a little bit of a drop off after number eight, who's Dak Prescott, but yeah, I just think, it's the Russian QB thing. If you know, he looked like someone who could be a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson esque runner, and he was that kind of guy in college. You know, he was a more productive rusher in that final season at Oklahoma than Kyler Murray was. Kyler Murray was really, really good. So uh, that tells you the kind of upside. And then we saw that in his what three starts or four starts. Um, he made three point seven five starts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four starts, three games that we actually care about. Um, well, he was pretty horrible against Washington sure. in three quarters, but he's had two rushing touchdowns in that game. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think like anyone who can rush for 800 yards is probably going to be a top 12 quarterback for me. And that includes like Taysom Hill is currently ranked as a top 12 quarterback for if me. If he gets 800 yards, he's a top five quarterback. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, like, well, I mean, it's really hard not to be. You might be selling him short because his pace was well over a thousand. Sure, <laughs> but what's he doing crazy. as a passer? Like, yes, a thousand yards as a as a rushing quarterback is huge, and that's a great starting point. But if if he's throwing like Cam did last year, he's not going to be a top five quarterback. Right, Cam was what about five hundred and fifty yards and how many touchdowns? Yeah, a Cam, twelve. Cam rushing and Daniel touchdowns? Jones, I think, were the only quarterbacks who rushed for. Th- I think it was three hundred yards who didn't finish his top twelve. I think that was the number. Mm-hmm. Right, sure. three hundred. Who do you guys much. like better between Hertz and Herbert? Are you or who are you drafting first? I guess I have Hertz higher. Okay, I'm taking Herbert. Jamie, Hertz. He said Hertz. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear. Sorry. Uh, Our nine year old podcast host would have heard that. <laughs> Ouch, Dave. That hurts. I don't think he would have come up with something that witty. Let's read some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. All right, Mike says, Thanks for the shout-out on the pod the other day. I was the one who recommended the peanut butter and bologna sandwich. I Mike, don't... that's disgusting. <laughs> Jamie, do you remember that? No. He well, doesn't remember that, Here's the that, rest Adam. of the email. 
Uh, I don't remember the exact circumstances. As I recall, Nando was still on the show then, and he brought the supplies. I think you skipped the taste test, Adam. Dave said there was too much peanut butter to taste the bologna. I don't remember what Jamie said about it. For the record, though, it's way better than it sounds, and it also works with salami or bacon. So where this comes from, Jamie, is I found an old iPad, and on it is a recording of us eating peanut butter and bologna sandwiches, you included. Uh, <laughs> no you, you were not a fan. And uh, I'm you glad it, I have Jamie. to remember to send it to Adam so Adam can put it on one of these podcasts. <laughs> it's like a Peanut butter and bacon castle. sounds good. I don't know yeah, about I the other two, peanut but peanut butter and bacon sure. sounds great. I, I Salami and definitely not bologna. I grew out of bacon. Uh, on the subject of bad sandwiches, I've got one that's even worse than banana and mayo. My son and I squared off in a fantasy championship at the end of the 2020 season. We decided the loser would have to eat a recreation of a sandwich that at the time was available at, a, at McDonald's in another country. Hold on to your stomach. It was made with two thick slices of Spam, some crushed Oreos, and mayo. I had Camara on my team, so I obviously won. However, I'm also a good sport, so I too chowed down. Spam, crushed Oreos, and mayo. It was horrid. Yeah. That's bad. I mean, if, you fr- if you fried the the spam <laughs> up, maybe it could be okay. Uh, oh but gosh, yeah, so bad. Don't, don't know about that one. Ugh. All right, now some actual fantasy questions. Jeff from the Nog, twelve team dynasty league. Last year, I focused on rebuilding. I have both Kittle and Waller. My running backs are Barkley, Eckler, Gordon, Mike Davis, Cohen, and Damian Williams. I have four good wide receivers. I have Josh Allen as well. So should I keep both tight ends and force another team to play a crappy tight end? Or should I trade one of them and beef up my running backs? Barkley, Eckler, Gordon, Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams. Which one would you trade and who would you target? I also have Austin Hooper. Um, He has Kittle, Waller, and and Hooper. So uh, what do you think, Jamie? Should he keep both tight ends or make a trade? I mean, it can't hurt to make a trade. Um, But... As we've kind of alluded to, obviously we're talking seasonal, but those tight ends are pretty special. So, you know, you got to get a top tier caliber player in return uh, and maybe a player in a pick if you're going to make this trade happen. So, um, you know, it might not be a bad idea if you want to buy low on, on Josh Jacobs or Joe Mixon or Miles Sanders, one of those guys that, you know, can still be a top 12 type running back and get a pick along with it. Um, you can go, you know, maybe just looking at if, if you're trying to trade with somebody who has one of the top three or three to five picks in the rookie draft, and then maybe a lesser tier running back along with that. So you're getting, you know, maybe the chance at Etienne or, or Najee Harris. So there, there's, there's a few different routes you can go. All right, quick keeper question from Ryan. 12-team standard scoring league, would you keep Clyde Edwards-Zelaire in the eighth round or Miles Sanders in the seventh? Standard scoring, Edwards-Zelaire in the eighth or Miles Sanders in the seventh? I would go Sanders. Sanders. C-E-H. All right, this is from Jeffrey. He says, Dear Mark, Richard, Jerry, Chris, and Benj. With a J at the end. Mark, Richard, Jerry, Chris, and Benj. Let's see, we got Richard Marks, Benj and Jerry, and Chris Towers. <laughs> I figured it out. Okay, so he's got a dynasty league. It is it's, a it's, it's a band. All right, don't tell me. O A R. Oh, okay. I never would have gotten that. I say, oh, you say, I. Yeah, that's the one song <laughs> I know. 
Okay, super flex. Two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, and two flex. It's half PPR. It is six point per passing touchdown. So he gives his whole roster here. He has a lot of chargers. He says, please don't let Heath read this. I'm obviously a Chargers fan and put a little bit more heart into the team than I should. Does Heath hate the Chargers or homerism? I don't know. No, it's just that Heath is a Chiefs fan. I don't think Heath hates oh. any team. Yeah, Heath doesn't care about Except that. maybe Mizzou. I'm not sure if he's a big fan of Mizzou. Uh, I tanked last year. I now have picks 102, 109, 202, and 211. Nice. It, it is a super flex league. Should I even target Trevor Lawrence with my first pick, second overall? Or should I go with Travis Etienne or Najee Harris? So he's got at quarterback Justin Herbert, Tua, Darnold, and Fitzpatrick. And at running back, he has Barkley and Mixon, but then he has Tevin Coleman, Kalen Balaz, Josh Kelly, Bryce Love. So I think he needs both positions, quite honestly. Uh, unless Lawrence, two, it's not close. Apparent, turn, uh, all right, so Jamie says, definitely take Trevor Lawrence. Super flex, six point per passing touchdown league. Dave and Chris, he's what there. do you say? If if Lawrence is there, you know right. I, I think you can make a pretty good argument. Lawrence should be the the number one pick right. in a super flex rookie draft. Um, but you know I, I think the one thing is that this does seem like a pretty deep uh, QB class with guys who have that rushing ability. And so, you know, if Lawrence isn't there at two, I think you go running back, and then um, you know hopefully there will be a decent quarterback option at number nine. Yep. Love that. Love that thought. And if you do end up getting Lawrence, try and have a trade ready to go to get to our Darnold off your team. If if this goes as most rookie super flex drafts go, and I've done many of them, you're going to see probably the first four quarterbacks go in the first six or seven overall picks, which means by nine, you're getting the third running back potentially. Maybe the second round. Or one of those receivers. Yeah. Or one of those receivers. Which, so, by the way, I looked at the receivers that this guy has. He could use one of those, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he needs a lot. certainly tanked. <laughs> he, he, need, he needs a lot. But, you know, the other part of that is 202 will probably still be a really good receiver. Yep. 211, maybe. But I think the thing would become is, you know, if you don't love Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, which will probably be the second or third quarterback, depending on where they end up, the second quarterback, depending on where they end up, and you don't want to reach for that at two, then you take the best available player, which could be, you know, Harris, could be Devontae Smith, you know, could be uh, Jamar Chase, you know, however it shakes out that you feel is the second best player there. At nine, again, you've now pushed all these other guys down. So, you know, you could get Mac Jones, you know, who could be the fourth quarterback, you know, that we just don't know how it's all going to play itself out there though. So, uh, you don't have to reach for quarterback at two if it's not Lawrence. But I think if you if if somebody doesn't take Lawrence at one, you definitely take Lawrence at two. That is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we will look at rookie quarterbacks, evaluate how they did in 2020 and what the future looks like, and also talk a little bit of dynasty. That will be Jamie and Heath on the show tomorrow. Uh, I am Adam Azer. Thanks to Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, and Chris Towers. Thanks to all of you for listening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 